changes, changes. So <laughs> more, yet more changes, but good changes, positive changes with our streaming uh, provider. So that's good. So we always just want to make sure it's working. <laughs> it's always good to do that. Uh, but changes are good. Uh, now it only goes live 30 seconds before time instead of 10 minutes. So you don't have to see that long video that plays when you go to rewatch. You got to sit through that and sit through the five minute countdown. And then at the end, you got to sit through 20 minutes of a black screen. I'm like, nobody's going to want to watch the replay. I know I don't. <laughs> You know, you can kind of move the bar over, but you don't always get it right. You know, you're trying to get a certain part and it's like, forget it. So uh, thank God now it's only 30 seconds before we go live. So they're heeding uh, some of the complaints from some customers. So glory, I didn't have to say anything, others did. So let's go before the Father tonight and just thank him for this opportunity to be together. We welcome you who are here and we welcome those who have joined us online. Uh, this is midweek, and we're excited about midweek because it's, to me, it's a refuel, amen? I don't know about you, but we're giving out all through the week, doing things, working with the unwashed masses. <laughs> and so when we come together, it just feels good to be in the house of the Lord together, amen? We are the house of the Lord everywhere we go, but it's just nice to be amongst family, isn't it? Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Your word is the final authority in our lives. We thank you that whatever the word says goes. That's as far as we're concerned, that's what it's all about. Whatever your word says, we want to do, we want to be, and we want to have. And so as we follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, we thank you, Father, that he empowers us and strengthens us, and we receive everything that you have for us. We give you praise and honor and glory for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. We've had some great Let's Talk segments over the past month or so. It's been wonderful. And last week, if you missed it, we had the Bartons up here, and they just shared some wonderful, outstanding uh, gold uh, for us regarding uh, communication in marriage. It was wonderful. And so for those who are here and you weren't here, or if you're watching us, you can watch the replay online. I highly recommend uh, that you do. And even if you were here, it's always good to get a reminder. Amen. And so all of the Let's Talk segments that we've had have been a blessing, I know. Have you been blessed by them? Yes. Uh, next week, we will have another one, and then we have two more to schedule that are on the list. And then, you know, we'd love to see everybody again. <laughs> and those who haven't done it yet, we'd love to see you too. And uh, can you just turn, can you check to see if this mic is in the monitor? And if so, can you just turn that off? If not, it might just need to come down just a little bit. I'm hearing myself twice for some reason. Uh, there are sheets, I believe, on the table back there that you can fill out if you would like to uh, sit at the table and talk about your journey and what God has been doing in your life through you know, various topics and th through those things. Uh, this evening, we're going to continue the series that we started a number of Wednesdays uh, ago uh, entitled uh, Signs to Look For Before Jesus Comes. And so we started this, I don't know, it's been a few months since we've started this series. And tonight we're just going to uh, get back into it and uh, talk about another sign. I think this is part seven, believe it or not. Um, you can watch the replay of the others if you miss them. The basis for this particular series can be found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 to 14, Mark 13, verse 5 to 13, and Luke 21, verse 8 to 19. And these are the signs that Jesus himself said would happen at the end of the age, right before he returns. Now we know we've talked about a number of them, six of them, and we've said that uh, a lot of the signs have already been manifesting, they've been happening. But we'll see them with greater intensity and more frequently the closer he 
is to come. And so that's why we're talking about this. We've talked about spiritual deception. We've talked about wars, rumors of wars and commotions, nations against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. We talked about famines, pestilences and diseases, including pandemics. And the last time we talked on this subject, we looked at earthquakes, fearful sights, and great signs. Why are we talking about these signs? Well, there's a couple reasons. One is because Jesus talked about these signs. And so whatever Jesus does, I like to do. And so uh, Jesus talked about them. Number two, so we're aware of them and prepared. So we are not moved by fear when we see these things occur. But if we're aware and prepared, we'll respond in faith like we believers always do. Amen? Say, I always respond in faith. That's a confession of faith because I don't always respond in faith. <laughs> you know, but that is what I'm striving to do. And so as believers, that's what we say. We always respond in faith. We don't react in fear. We don't react in anger. <laughs> we respond in faith. And so that's what we're talking about this so we can be prepared ahead of time. Uh, hallelujah. So this evening, we're going to look at the sign that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 and 10. And I'll read it out of the King James Version. It says, then there's a lot of shells and bees, so just bear with me. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. This verse makes you want to get up and run around the church, huh? No. <laughs> it's not very edifying, is it? This, this is not edifying what Jesus is saying is going to happen here. Um, Jesus forecasted a time of persecution intense persecution that would come to who? His followers. In the time of Jesus and shortly after he ascended, you'll remember that persecution came because he said the persecution is going to be for his name's sake. And so after he ascended, you remember the disciples and his followers, they started teaching what? in the name of Jesus. And we see that some were stoned. Stephen, for instance, was stoned. We see James and Peter when they went to the temple and the guy was crying out and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he did. Amazing miracle took place. Well, they got beat down for it. They got beat, they bought drug in, beat, imprisoned, and then when they were released, they were told not to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. Did they stop? No. <laughs> Should we stop? No. All right. So they, we see that persecution happened even then. And so uh, Paul and Silas were two other individuals that we see, and many others who were persecuted and told, don't speak the name of Jesus again. Now, perse persecution was happening in that time, but this particular account that Jesus, this discourse that he's having with his disciples and with those who were hearing is not talking about that time or just the time that was coming right after that. He said, before the Son of Man comes. So it's at the end of the age. These are things that we will see. So there's an escalation and an increase uh, in frequency. So we'll see various degrees of trouble inflicted on believers because of their devotion to Christ and their refusal to bend to the current trends of the world. The word afflicted in this passage in Greek describes pressure, stress, or stressful situations. It's a picture of someone who feels trapped and unable to move, 
with so much pressure on him that he is barely able to breathe. Pressure that is very difficult to bear. Every, the early believers, the early believers, most early believers who did anything for God significant, they experienced harassments, arrests, we talked about it, imprisonments, and even gruesome deaths. I mean, just a stoning is a gruesome death to me. That would hurt. And, I, you know, you throw a little pebble at me and I'm screaming, running to mommy. You know, ah, you know, when I was young. Forget it. No, you're not throwing anything at me. Well, never mind how a, a stoning. Remember, Jesus saved Mary Magdalene from a stoning. Just hor hor horrific. Just stand you up in front of people and just, everyone, pick up a rock and throw it. And, you know, if I threw it at you, you'd be safe. Because if I was aiming for you, I wouldn't hit you. Now, if I was aiming over there, look out. <laughs> but stoning hurts. And it can be gruesome to, to, for the people who are watching and for the person. I thank God for his deliverance, though, because look at what happened to Stephen. The most glorious thing happened to Stephen. I mean, he was in heaven before he even, the stone touched him. He saw Jesus standing, standing. When you say the name of Jesus, heaven stands at attention and backs you up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. It was pressure piled upon pressure. And Jesus used this particular word to describe the persecution that will arise again at the end of the age. Very interesting. The word killed in the Greek here in this verse here depicts outright slaughter. We know that this is happening even in our time now. In other countries, we are seeing Christians executed, drowned, beaten, and beheaded. And we're going to talk about that a little more, and we have a, an action step for this church at the end of the message. We have a mandate from God concerning this. The word offended in this passage is the Greek word scandalon. It's, in, it's the English word scandal. That's what they called the Christian faith in the first century, scandalous. Christians were looked at as narrow-minded or closed-minded, bigots for standing uh, true to their faith. Early Christians didn't believe in the Roman gods, and paganism was very prevalent in those days. And so the people who did not go along with that were looked at, and their biblical views were looked at as offensive because they didn't go along with the trends of the day. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The word betrayed here in this passage is translated from a word that means to hand over or deliver. Now, it's bad enough to be handed over and delivered by strangers, you know, by people who happen to be passing by here. You're talking about the name of Jesus. But what about your own family and friends? If you look at Luke's account of this, in Luke chapter 21, verse 16 to 17, it's even more clear about this betrayal. And you shall be betrayed both by parents, what? <laughs> My own mother and father? I know not mine, but your own mother? No, <laughs> betrayed by your own parents. And brothers, kinfolk, goodness, and friends. <laughs> We're going to put a quote on quote, friends. <laughs> Betrayed by them. Ugh, Lord. And some of you, they shall cause to be put to death at the hand of family and friends. And you shall be hated of all men. Why? Not because, you know... They don't like you. No, for my name's sake, for standing up for what they believe in. And that's Jesus. Betrayed by our own family and friends. What's more hurtful than that? It happened with the early church, and it's happening now. It's happening now. And that's why now is the time where we need to make that decision. 
We need to make that decision of how far am I going to go with this? Am I in this for the long run or am I in this and just until things get hard? When things start kind of going crazy, am I going to just kind of back away and okay, exit, stage left? Or am I going to stick with this? And if my position is that I'll die for him, if that's my position, I better draw that line in the sand now. Because when, it, when things start occurring, there's no time to think, oh, well, let me see. Now, if I do, no, no, there's no time. Maybe I'll just say I'm not, and then I'll just go back. No, no. He says, if you deny me before men, <laughs> I'll deny you before my father. Hmm. So I got to draw that line in the sand and say, come what may, I'm on his word to stay. Doesn't matter how ugly it gets. Doesn't matter how much liberties are taken or whatever. I'm on his word to stay. That's first and foremost. And then we have to do what Mr. Thomas was talking about a few weeks ago. We have got to, in this time that we are living in, cultivate a daily fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have got to know that we know that we know that we know his voice and recognize his voice. And that not only do I hear you, Holy Spirit, but I will do exactly what you tell me to do. I will act when you say for me to act because that's what's going to get us through periods like that. And so we've got to be resolute in what we, what we uh, believe and then ready to act on what we believe. And we have to have full confidence that it's the Holy Spirit telling me to go in this direction. And so the only way to do that is to have that relationship right now. Make that decision right now when things are easy. Easy peasy. <laughs> Yet many don't make that decision, do they? It's easy right now. And so he is the one that's going to help us navigate through times that we're reading about and will be strengthened to withstand any opposition. That's what his job is. Very important in these last days. In this passage in Matthew 24, Jesus said that Christians, his followers, would be hated of all nations for his name's sake. The word hate in Greek is missio. The word describes utter disgust and repulsion. It's more than just, I don't like you. I dislike you very much. No, it's pure hatred. It's pure hatred. The word persecution is not used in Matthew 24. He uses the word afflicted. He uses other words. But Luke uses it in his account. If you look in Luke 21, verse 12, it says this. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers, again, for my name's sake. The word persecute in this verse is the Greek word, it's dioko, dioko which describes one who vigorously pursues another. It's a hunting term. You don't accidentally hunt for someone. <laughs> You're very purposeful when you are hunting. There's a reason these individuals or Christ followers are being hunted. It's very purposeful and deliberate. Jesus is describing a deliberate, calculated, strategic, pursuing of his followers. Remember, the crime committed here by the followers of Jesus is the commitment to remain true to Christ. That is their crime. Their commitment to remain true to Jesus and his ways. That's all the crime they committed. Isn't that the crime Jesus committed? 
the cries, healing people, delivering people. I remember I was teaching the kids downstairs and it was just, it got just so quiet. We were talking about Jesus and I went through all these healings, these wonderful things and, you know, had the kids acting it out and they were like, oh yeah. I said, remember he went by the casket of the woman, her son was in the casket and he put his hand on the casket and funeral over, <laughs> alive. I said, and you know, and the, then the woman who was bowed down, we went through, I don't know, I, I took about, you know, a long time to go through 12 miracles or so. And then we brought him to, okay, now Jesus is standing before all these people. And the lady that was there that was bowed over was standing there. And that little, little guy that was dead and raised to life, and that, that was the crime. Those were the people he committed the crime against. Those people. And that's why he hung on the cross. According to those, that's what they thought. In those days, they said he committed a crime. Treason. He said he was higher than God. He was God. That was the crime. There's all the people he committed the crime against. And the kids were like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, see, you get it. You get it. Where were the kids of the day? <laughs> they would get it. Yeah. That's the, the crime of even his followers. Staying committed, remaining true to Christ and his word, regardless of what society is doing. This is nothing new. Nothing new. The early Christians from the first centuries were experiencing these things. The same acts were carried out against them. So we who have been in America our whole lives, like me, we have no idea <laughs> what persecution is. I have always, since I was born, been able to carry my Bible to anywhere I wanted. I can bring it in the grocery store if I want. I can have 10 or 20 Bibles. Sometimes I misplace my Bible. <laughs> Ever do that when you were a kid? <laughs> Where's your Bible? Oh, no. Did you read it this week? Yes. <laughs> then it's at the last place that you read it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we just, what, it's a Bible. I have never been given a page out of a Bible. This is yours. A small Bible. This is yours. Don't let anybody see it. If they see it, they'll kill you for it. I've never experienced that. And then when military or soldiers come near me, I've got to literally chew that page so they don't take it and kill me for it. I've never experienced that. That's a true story. I've never had to go through that. I've been blessed not to be able to, not be able to read a Bible. I can sing in my house songs about Jesus all day long. We can come together in church and sing, yet people don't open their mouths. I just don't understand. I, we can sing together as loud as we want. And no soldier, no military is going to come in here and say, you can't sing the name of Jesus. But in other countries, they're being shot, beheaded for that exact thing. There's secret Christians in North Korea right now. It's a death sentence if they find out that you're a Christian. We've never had to experience that. Some people are like, oh, it's horrible, the persecution right now in the U.S. Okay, it's a little more than, you know, what it's been, but this ain't nothing. Come on. <laughs> I still can come here. I still have my Bible. They can't take that away from me. <laughs> I have those liberties. But in many countries, I read a statistic today, 75% of people in the world are living under persecution. These are Christians in persecution. I'm just grateful that I live in this country. And we don't take for granted. Many do, but we should not take for granted the liberties that we have, the men and the women who are fighting and continue to stand guard for our freedoms. And yeah, there's a lot of things going on about our liberties, about our, you know, our freedoms and things of that nature, yeah. Well, our position is we respond in faith and with the word of God and with prayer. And we stand up for what's right. 
So I was looking up some statistics uh, from uh, opendoorsusa.org. And this is a wonderful organization, I'll talk more about it shortly, which helps Christians who are being, they advocate for Christians who are being persecuted all over the world. And this is what they say. While Christian persecution takes many forms, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. And it says, from Sudan to Russia, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity are targeted for their faith. They are attacked. They are discriminated against at work and at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. Believers in 75% of the world face various levels of opposition because of their faith. Here's some stats. In 2021 so far, there have been over 340 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. And that we're talking about being afflicted, pressure that is very difficult to bear. 4,761 Christians killed for their faith. 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings attacked. 4,277 believers detained, without trial, arrested, sentenced, or in prison. This is just from January till now of this year. The top five countries on their list at the moment for persecuting Christians are number one, North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, and Pakistan. In North Korea, this is where Christians face the most persecution. It's been ranked number one for the past 20 years. It's a death sentence for them from young to old if they say that they are believers. Now think about living in a place like North Korea and somehow hearing that some man named Jesus died to make me free. And now I need something to hold on to and that's the hope I'm holding on to. But I gotta keep that to myself for fear if I say anything about what's keeping me going, I'll be killed for it. That's persecution. In North Korea, if you aren't killed instantly when it's revealed that you are a Christian, you're taken to a labor camp as a political criminal. And the, in, the treatment there is inhumane. They go on to describe it. I am not going to get into it. You have to keep your faith to yourself there. And here, we're afraid to share it. Hmm. I don't, I, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. Things have not gotten this bad here in the U.S. <laughs> no, we are near that bad. Although, we are seeing, like I said, increase in religious restrictions, changes in laws that are contrary to the word of God. We're seeing that. That's a definite. We're seeing that. We're seeing a mass departure from moral and ethical values. We're seeing all of that. And all of these things go cross-grain to what you and I as believers stand for. They all do. Uh, eventually, the louder and more in your face they get, the more we're going to have to stand up and get louder about it too. And when I say louder about it, I don't mean yelling at someone and telling them, ah, what you're doing is wrong. No, no, louder about Jesus, <laughs> the name of Jesus, and the Jesus I believe in. Louder about that. Not, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, because this site says and that site says, you're wrong. No, <laughs> how about, let's talk about what Jesus says <laughs> and the, the mercy and the love that he has for us. And, and the desire for us to want to do what he does. 
So our end is better than many who are not following him. And so I like what it says, though. We're going to end on a positive note. We always do. <laughs> we always do. I like what it says in verses 13 to 15 of Luke chapter 12. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore, right now, settle it now in your hearts. Jesus is telling them, settle it now in your hearts. Not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So when this happens, it will give the believer yet another opportunity to stand in front of some prominent people. It says kings, synagogues. You're going to stand, not saying that we're going to stand, but in those days, if when this happens, the believers who are being persecuted will stand before prominent people and have another opportunity to just share Jesus. Just like Paul did. They would drag him in and he, they'd have to hear three hours of teaching. <laughs> here's why we talk about the name of Jesus. Here's who Jesus was. And here's the lineage he came from. Here's the miracles that happened back then. Here's the miracles he did now. I mean, they took, they got to teach and preach. And some got converted because of it. And so, but the thing is, is cultivating that fellowship and relationship with the Holy Spirit now, what happens? You don't even have to plan what you're going to say. Didn't you love how Jesus responded to people when they asked him questions? He just, he just came up with the best things. It was like, yeah, go Jesus. Well, that's going to be us. It's going to be when they drag you in, if you have to go to court for something, the words that come out of your mouth, it says that they will not be able to gainsay or dispute. Or another word for gainsay is refute. They will not be able to. There's, it will be, oh, oh, they won't be able to say. You'll have them all confused. I like that. <laughs> Another opportunity. That's why it's so important to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit right now. He will be as faithful to us then as he was to the early church when they were going through all of this opposition. So these are serious days for the church and we need to be aware and prepared. Again, that's the reason for this teaching, not to put us in fear. Or you can just feel the room like <laughs> a heaviness in the room. It's not to bring fear or, oh, goodness, I, I'm getting anxiety just thinking. No, no, it's so we're prepared. We're prepared. We're prepared. Again, that's the reason for it. It's not exactly a message that makes you want to run around the room, but the preparation we put in place now will allow us to respond in faith and stay in step with the Holy Spirit as the end of the age draws near. As I mentioned before, those are so, there's some ways we can uh, prepare ourselves and developing, uh, again, cultivating a fellowship and relationship daily, daily with the Holy Spirit and ensuring that we don't just hear and recognize his voice, confident in that, okay, yes, this is you, but to also uh, be a person who is quick to act when he tells us. The word of God says to be doers of the word. So when he speaks to us, to be that person. You know, we talk about this often. If we'll do that in just our everyday living, this is going to come naturally to us. And so that's why it's important to cultivate that study time with the Lord, that, that uh, time of devotion, personal devotion with the Lord daily, with the Holy Spirit, fellowship. Okay, Holy Spirit, uh, where are we going now? <laughs> what are we going to do right now? Uh, help me through this situation. Okay, yep, that's your voice. Eh, eh. That's not your voice. I'm not doing that. We know so much so that we don't, we're not guessing. We, come, we become proficient in hearing his voice. Praying in the spirit will help us so much with that. 
because he helps you to pray in the spirit and you just develop an awareness of him. You hear his, you just know when it's not him. <laughs> you know when it's not him. You just know when it's not him. But because again, the deceiver is deceitful and he'll use scriptures and it will sound wonderful. But what's the motive? What's behind it? He told Jesus, didn't he say that, you know, if you, uh, your feet, you dash your foot against a stone, he'll protect you if you fall. That's the scripture. It's in Psalms <laughs> 91. We confess it all the time. It's the scripture, but it was from the wrong person. And Jesus identified that. And so we need to do the same too. We need to know who's talking to us. Is this just me? Lord, is this you? Devil, I know it's you. <laughs> that ain't my Lord. <laughs> and so we need to know that and know that now. Because when times get intense and things, we, we tend to not be as still. <laughs> and so let's practice that now. Now, my heart goes out to... As I was doing this research, my heart just goes out to, there are so many children and families that are being persecuted. And uh, for a while now, for a while, this is not even since I've been in this role, but for a while, uh, when I was even in the administrative pastor role and just looking at the missions and things that we support in this church, I know that there's more that God wants us to do that's more tangible that he wants us to do. Now, I don't feel God calling me to go to North Korea. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Somalia, anybody? Afghanistan? No. <laughs> Please, Lord, no. But uh, I don't feel him do saying that to me right now. But what I do feel a tug in my heart is to do something. Now, I can do what I always do, my go-to. What do you think that is? Pray. <laughs> I'll pray. That's my go-to. Whenever I say I, I see something and that's not right in a certain area of the world, I hook up in prayer. And that is awesome. Prayer can just get go anywhere. Prayer can go anywhere. And maybe God can translate you there. And when God translates, that's just amazing. <laughs> can you imagine doing, oh, man, we've heard stories. So um, when we went to Pennsylvania, I stood in front of a wall that Pastor Sam has in his church and then it just so happened god is so good it just so happened that we all, we were standing there a man walked over he had a ball cap on and he's standing and now he's showing us this wall had about i don't know 30 missionaries on that wall that they support on a monthly basis and he's telling us all the places that they're in all the works that they're doing one by one by one and this is third generation fourth generation we supported their parents and now these are the grandchildren and just amazing so a guy comes over and he's no oh, and here's Christopher Allen right here <laughs> oh that's him right there and he was getting ready to go to Tanzania he is in Tanzania right now and so we're gonna have him at the church uh, Christopher Allen is just a blessing he's a Raymond grad and I've seen him online uh, a lot with Tony Cook and stuff uh, but he is an evangelist. He does uh, seminars and conferences and, and uh, outdoor uh, meetings and services. And But he said, Sam said, if you want your church on fire to go out and tell others about Jesus, you bring him. So we'll have him. We'll probably have him next year. He's in Tanzania right now dealing with some red tape, trying to get his truck in. A six-day meeting has now gone to three days, so we just pray for that. So... While we were there, that just confirmed some things that God had been telling me, and I've been watching particular ministries and organizations uh, that are doing work. And I don't mean just, okay, I go every few months to the country, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I mean that this is what they do. That's all they do. They come here, then they're right back, going to this country and that country and this country. And so... Uh, we're going to up-level our missions in this church and who we support. And one of the groups I mentioned earlier, opendoorsusa.org. I don't know if you've ever read the book, Brother Andrew, God's Smuggler. This was required reading for me 
when I was in elementary school because I went to a Christian school. If you've never read that book, I highly recommend it. It's called God's Smuggler, and it's about Brother Andrew who smuggled. It's just exciting uh, and like, ooh, you never know what to expect. Uh, he smuggled Bibles into Romania and other parts of the country when it was illegal to do it. And there's some dicey situations he got himself into. Well, he is the founder of opendoorsusa.org. They are based out of California. David Curry is the one who is running it now. But uh, they go in, they advocate for uh, people who are being persecuted. And if you go to your, their they are very deliberate. <laughs> in how they are doing things. They are very uh, transparent. They have financial integrity for over 20 years. Uh, everything that they do is out there so you can see it. And so we're going to be supporting them on a monthly basis. And we're going to uh, work with them and partner with them. They partner with churches. And they'll, uh, as things come up, they do emergent things. Some of the things they do is they uh, have the, there's three tiers, so Bible and gospel development, Bibles, Bible study materials, discipleship and training they provide. They have a woman and children advancement uh, area that they work out of. It's They provide safe houses, trauma counseling, literacy training, and job training. And then they also do com Christian community restoration. They rebuild churches and homes, emergency food and shelter, and they provide microloans uh, to, to churches and things. So when we do Mission Sunday, we're also going to include Open Doors USA. I highly recommend you go on their site. They also have opportunities where you can sponsor families that are being persecuted you can sponsor them. And so uh, this is a, a, a one of the ministries. There's another ministry that um, a friend of uh, ours that we knew in Raymond uh, has a church in uh, Tennessee, Conduit Church. And uh, they are doing rescuing from slavery, uh, whether it's sex trafficking or just manual labor. Theirs is pretty exciting. They go into a country, they work a lot in Haiti, but they do uh, things in every other country as well. They go into a country and they find a family who, is, who are slaves. And you think, slavery is not, oh, it's in full effect. And here we're complaining in the United States. Let's go to another country and see what slavery really is. So they're slaves to a family, and they go in and they pay off the debt, and they take them and bring them uh, out of there and get them to a safe place. They don't bring them to the U.S., but they bring them to a safe place, to where they have ministry and churches for them. Now, here's the thing. You remember Pharaoh and Moses, let my people go. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could go. And then last minute, no, you can't. They take their payment. They never know if when they hand over payment, if that family's coming. So sometimes it's in the middle of the night. There's some things going on, you know, and they have to rescue them. But when they do, there's such rejoicing. We're going to partner with them. We're going to partner with them. And so uh, these are things that are making a real difference. And all of these people, uh, when they get out, what do you think happens? They get saved. <laughs> they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get them into a place where there's churches. It's just amazing what God is doing. In Haiti, Conduit is, is putting up churches. They have uh, homes there for orphanages for uh, kids with no parents. They're, they're, they're boots on the ground where we can't be. And so it'll be an extension of what we're doing here. Just, we can, if, unless you wanna go. I mean, I'm sure they do mission trips too. So if you're wanting to go, or both of these organizations, you can go. We also have Cape Verde. You wanna go there? It's an open door to go. They need God. There's, there's, there's opportunity uh, to share the Lord there as well. And so these places, it's an extension. If you wanna go, go and at, at some point we're going to do a missions trip a church ministry, missions trip probably next year we'll plan that 
but nothing like taking the young people to a, on a missions trip. <laughs> Hallelujah. To see, you know, we take for granted here what we have in this wonderful United States. And, you know, with everything going on around us, people down talk the U.S. and, oh, <laughs> go live in North Korea. Uh, you wouldn't last one minute. I know I wouldn't. I like my freedom. <laughs> I like my freedom. I wouldn't last there for a minute. I'd be like, just take me out of my misery now. I'll be a martyr because I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so I thank God for the freedom we have here. And, you know, we have our problems in this country. But I thank God for the liberty that we have in our country. And let's not take it for granted. The, when you start taking it for granted, that's when you lose it. That's when you lose it. Don't take it for granted. You know, every time the door of the church is open, I'm here. <laughs> Not just because I'm the pastor. I was here before I was the pastor. Why? Because I get to come. I don't have to come. I get to come. In some countries, they wish they had a church they could go to. They have to meet underground. They got to figure out if they don't get the, the memo of where church is going to be, they're on their own. And iron sharpens iron. And you're encouraged when you see other believers face to face. You don't have to go through that misery alone. But I tell you, there's coming a great revival like we've never seen before. An awakening to God like we've never seen before. And many, many, even in these countries around the world where there is severe persecution, many are going, many hearts will be turned to the Lord. Many will be turned to the Lord. Right before he comes, yeah, there's going to be intense pressure, intense persecution, but there's going to be his glory on this earth covering the earth like the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of his glory. And we're excited for that time. <laughs> we're excited for that time. And so we just, we don't have long now. <laughs> it's already started. We don't have long now. Thank God. Thank God for that. So we don't want to end on a, on a sad note. We want to end on a happy note. Amen? These things are coming. Yes, they are. But we are prepared for them. And we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we're just going to sail right through that. And Jesus is going to meet us. In the air, we're going to meet him. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's coming soon. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you ready to give tonight? That's the happy note. <laughs> we get to give. Hallelujah. We can give. They don't tell us what we can give to and what we can't give to. In some countries, that's how it goes. You're told, no, you can't give to that. This is what you're going to give to. And this is what we're going to give you. <laughs> I thank God for this country. I thank God for the freedom and the liberty that we have here. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God to advance his kingdom here on this earth. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Why don't you stand and let's just thank God. We're a little early. Let's just thank God for this nation and thank God for what he's doing in his church. It's the year of the local church. We are empowered. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise tonight. We thank you, Father God, that we are in your perfect will. Your work, you're working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Oh, we thank you, Father, that you rejoice in your church. You rejoice in your church. We thank you, Father God, that you are the God of our salvation. You are the God who is more than enough. You are the God who has saved us, delivered us, and filled us with the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father, that our ways are, are coming aligned to your way, Father God, because your ways are higher than the ways of men. But you said, Father God, that we can know 
We can know. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray out the mysteries of God. That we're not laid aside from us, but they are laid aside for us. And so we access that by the power of the Spirit. Let's just pray in the Spirit for a few moments. Oh, Bradasulubrostonomosa. Indalamandrobosina Glory to the King. Glory to the King. Oh, as for God, His way is perfect. Your way is perfect, my Lord. And so we thank you. We align to your perfect way. And we allow your words to get down in our hearts. And we declare that we are doers of the word of God. Everything that you tell us to do, we'll do. For we are yours to command. We give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're giving tonight online, you can text FHFC to 77977. Or you can go on our website, fathershousefamilychurch.com, and you can give that way as well. We thank you for your faithfulness to give. And we, we just know we're just going to be doing more. <laughs> it's that time. It's that time this neighborhood needs to hear about Jesus. This neighborhood needs to hear how good he is and what he can do for them. Amen. It's that time. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. And thank you for those watching, for joining us. We'll see you on Sunday for those who are coming to prayer Friday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, for those who are joining us on Sunday, 10 a.m.